Good morning, everybody. I want to welcome you this morning to Bible Study Time here with Rick Bonvin Ministries. I'm delighted to be here this morning coming to you from Virginia. I'm Gene Thomas and anxious to share with you the Word of God this morning. And I know you are too. And together, maybe we'll learn something today. Something new about the Spirit. Something new about Jesus. Something to give us joy and and to remember that we're talking about salvation and eternal matters and what could be better than to go to the Bible and to study the Bible. I want to just have a prayer with you before we begin this morning. Let us pray. Almighty God, you who created me and called me. We pray, O oh Lord, that you will pour out your Holy Spirit on us, gathered here, so that we may be wise stewards of the precious gifts which you have bestowed upon us in the name and the Spirit of Christ. Amen. Well, we are working together, studying the wonderful text of First Peter. And we're looking at some of the ways that the first chapter unfolds. And I've been assigned the very tail end of it this morning. I'm trying to tail end Charlie. I've got a, a, the, the back verses, 22 to 25 of the, of the first chapter. Interesting verses. Let me read to you from the Living Bible, which is a paraphrase uh, of the of the Word of God. It's got a it's got a it's got that weakness, but it's also got the power of the present day vernacular behind it. So I I choose it for you. We have First Peter chapter one, verse twenty two. You'd like to turn there. Here we go. Now you can have real love for everyone because your souls have been cleansed from selfishness and hatred when you trusted Christ to save you. So see to it that you really do love each other warmly with all your hearts. For you have a new life. It was not passed on to you from your parents. For the life they gave you will fade away. This new one will last forever. For it comes from Christ, God's ever-living message to people. Yes, our natural lives will fade as grass does when it becomes all brown and dry. All our greatness is like 
a flower that droops and falls. But the word of the Lord will last forever, and his message is the good news that we preached to you. There ends a lesson for today's consideration. <clears throat> I wanted to try to choose a way to get into this material this morning, and I declare I thought the best way to do it would be to do like you're paying for gold. You get a pan, and you get down in a stream somewhere, and you dig up some sand, and you swirl it or you sluice it, around in the water and you bend your pan down and up and down until you reach the clarity enough to see the specks of gold in the rest of the mud and the sand. Well, that's the way we're going to do it because this text is loaded with, with gold. But it's all over the place. <laughs> it never quits from the beginning to the end. It's easy for me, at least it is, easy for me to get over my head real quick. In some of this, because it's heavily theological, and and I, I'm not equipped to do that, nor you, are you either. But it, it, theologic means just what it says. Theos is God, and logic is logic. Theology, theologic means theologic, the logic of God. There's a lot of logic in this text. To begin with, we'll. This this writer had nothing that we have. He didn't have probably the rest of the New Testament. He he just had the Old Testament, and and the writer was because he didn't hadn't had a lot of written materials to put his trust in. They put their trust in in hearing from God, God's word, God God's speaking word. We're going to look at a little bit of that Logos word and some of that Rhema word. They're two different Greek words for the same thing, but there's some difference in them. This is, I'm talking about the spoken word of God, Rhema, that comes to us. Now you have to remember, see, that the whole Bible is set up to hear the word of God. From the beginning to the end of the thing, God comes in on voices. And people hear voices. It starts out that way, you know, in the very, very beginning in, in Genesis. God spoke the word into existence. And you go to Moses, he hears God talking at the burning bush. And then you go on down the, the road there and you've got Abraham. He hears God telling him to pick up sticks and move. It's just endless, endless word, word, word. But not a written word, not until Moses had the Ten Commandments. And then even after that, the prophets don't depend. The prophets depend on hearing from God, God's word. You know, Elijah, he comes out of the cave and he's trying to hear God. And, 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 and God is not in the earthquake. God is in a still, small voice that he hears. So I'm making the point to you. That you don't need to get caught up on what's written down so much as what it is that you might hear God speaking to you and putting you to doing. 
And that's what the Bible does. Bible, but the Bible sort of keeps a close record of those times and places where God has spoken to somebody. And this is one of them. This is one of them. We don't need to think too much about how the material was gathered because whoever the writer was, and I think it was Peter, but whoever the writer was, heard from the Lord a word, see? He hears a word and he writes a word. Well, if we pan for gold, that's the first nugget that comes out, is that voice of God, speaking voice of God. God who speaks theologic, has a theologic about it. The first chapter concerns salvation. I talk about salvation a lot. And and also in connection with that, they talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. And you have to see one of the things about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was it's the speaking side of God in a very real sense. It's just, this is when the volume is turned up, when when God creates a condition in which the Spirit speaks. And so in this text here, we're coming to the end of that chapter and 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 and, and the last point is being hammered out and made clear. Some of the some of the words in here we want to look at real close in this text. He uses the word fervently in the in the King James version about your love. We need to love one another fervently, says King James. The text that I read to you, the Living Bible, says warmly. Warmly is nice too. A good way to speak of the love of, of agape, the love that we have for one another. Yeah, but, but resolute is also there. It's a resolute kind of love. That is to say, you may have to love people you don't, would rather not love, see? Because God has put you in a place to love people that don't love you. I mean, you'll uh, rarely find a preacher that hasn't been in that position, been in a church where the people just didn't like them, told them so, don't like you, don't want you. But then you have to turn around and love them, see, but with the love of Jesus. And that's a resolute kind of love. Re resolution, I resolve that I'm going to do that kind of love, see. And then another thing that keeps coming up here is the Spirit has done something. Over and over it talks about you have a new life, he says here. And the, uh, and the spirit, what is spirit? Now remember spirit is like a blast of air. It's like the word is pneuma. It means that, that, that you breathe in, you breathe the Holy Ghost of God, and you feel it. You see, you got an experience of it. And <clears throat> that is incorruptible. The word here, incorruptible, means that it's perishable, not perishable. They're going to, it's going to be always there. And the logic of God. And it, when you have this new life, he talks about, the life is not just a biologically new life. It's a new life which is zoological. That is, that it's lively, it's fresh, it's, it's real life, it's real living. You need to have a living faith, not a dead faith. It's possible to have a dead faith, said old John Wesley. And if you got that, you got nothing. 
What you need is a new birth. You need to have a new experience. So if we, we look at the text, look at the text. For you have, it says in verse 23, a new life. So panning for gold, we're coming up with another nugget here. The nugget of the Spirit of God, the incorruptible word of love, word of the logic of God speaking, the word of God's utterance, the precious, a new life. You have a new life. Where did it come from? Well, the Old Testament, the Old King James talks about seeds. But where the seed came from. All the creatures have seeds. And whatever's in the seed, you get when you get born. We get death, we get sin, we get all that stuff in the seed. It says here we get it from your parents. Same principle in, in, uh, in this Bible. You get it from your parents. The life that they had will fade away. The life that you have will fade away. So now we come to a point where we are hearing the, the message that we need to hear a lot that we are timely that we're not going to live forever we're going to we're going to die we're going to we're going to need an undertaker and that's all we're going to need because everything else is going to stay here all of our wealth all of our material things i was trying on a jacket in a clothing store the other day and <clears throat> the salesman was making that jacket sound like it was a, a robe for a prince. You know, he's, oh, it looks so good on you. Fits you so good. Oh, it looks so good. <laughs> and I told him, I said, oh, it's nothing but worldly goods. And he said, what? <laughs> it's nothing but worldly goods. It's going to turn to dust one day. You ever thought about that? And the salesman said, well, we have another jacket over here. <laughs> He wasn't quite sure what I was talking about. But we all have a, a, a shelf life of just a few years and down here. And then we are gone to be joined together with the saints in heaven. Uh, because this is the new one. The new life will last forever. It is incorruptible. It will not fade away. Because it comes from Christ. Now, this is another little nugget of gold coming out of here. It is, it is, I wanted to talk about the, something called the brotherhood of the new life. That's obviously in back of this. This is a group of people who know what they're talking about because they have experienced what they're talking about. And in experiencing what they are talking about, they have on good authority that it is the word of God and they bound together, bind together in a, a, a rather tight group of people who consider themselves what you might call a brotherhood or a, a association of the new life. What is making them come together, what is making them unique in the world is the fact that they are indeed have found a new life, a new beginning, a new way to go. It doesn't matter what they were in the past, all that's over and gone. What matters now 
is where they're going and who they are and how they behave themselves and what they do. Do they love others as is commanded of them by the Lord, you see? The brotherhood of the new life. The brotherhood of the new life. <clears throat> I remember when I was converted and I first felt the power of the Holy Spirit to come on me in, in the church one Sunday morning. When I got up off my knees from the chancel rail that morning, I was a new person. I had begun a new life. I could feel it. I could sense it. Others around me could observe it and see it. Now, I didn't quite know what to do with, with that, and I didn't know what to do with it for a regular while, but pretty soon I'm a, I found that there were other people like me. I wasn't all alone in the world. Many people have the experience of the new birth or the new life. Indeed, old Wesley thought that it was a part of salvation. He was tucked right up in there in his soteriology was the notion that you ain't going to get too far without the blessings of the new birth. The Bible calls it being born from above. You, you, you're made brand new. I had a lingering sense that God was call, calling me. From that day forward, I didn't know what for. I certainly wouldn't have any notion that it would be anything to do with being a preacher, but I knew I could hear his voice. I could hear it. So, so panning for gold as another nugget. Listen for what God may want to say specifically to you because once you've given a new life, you get with that God's expectations. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you this because, see, somebody said one time, expectations will kill you. And they will, too, if you let your life be guided by nothing but that. But God's expectations are usually something that's within your power, that's clearly with, that God wants to help you with and walk with you through. So I gathered around me, uh, People like me, and we had a, had a Bible study together, and we just talk a lot about this subject of the new birth experience, studied it. We'd get together on Friday nights and pray together, and we, we, we had a habit of putting a chair in the middle of the room, and if anybody wanted to be prayed for, they'd go sit in the chair and then the rest of us would come around and lay our hands on them and pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would come. And you know it did too. I'm telling you, some nights, sometimes, sometimes, boy, the Holy Ghost power would come and people sitting in a chair would speak in tongues, uh, make confessions, you know, and we'd be right there just praying just as hard and praying. For so that is a part of the fellowship of the New birth. I just want to suggest to you that this is the kind of community out of which we are hearing the voice of God this morning. This was a community of people that probably acted like that, that did like that, that experienced God's Holy Ghost power in, in that sense and that word. 
<clears throat> and it spreads. It spreads from one to another. I know um, I had a friend and a neighbor who lived not too far away, but every Friday night he would go up to that or go up town in his pickup truck. And we lived in a rural area and it wasn't much going on. And he would ride by my house and see all the cars there on a Friday night. And he wondered. He, and one time I saw him later and he said, Gene, what is that that goes on at your house every Friday night? I see a lot of cars out there. And I said, well, well, brother, we just get together and pray together. And uh, we're just kind of a brotherhood of the of, of the new birth. <laughs> I didn't call it that then, but, but that was what it was. And he said to me, he said, you don't have anything to eat in there? And I said, yeah, we have. We have donuts and apple pie and sometimes coffee and all kinds of soft drinks and things like that. He said, you do? I said, yeah. He said, can I come too? And I said, sure you can come. Sure you can. And he kind of, he, he was coming, boy. He was coming, you know, he, he, maybe for the wrong thing, you probably think, but he was coming for the donuts and the coffee. And the apple pie, I mean, and he stood right in the kitchen and chowed down. But soon he would hear us praying. And pretty soon he took his hat off and made his approach, you know, sat on the perimeter of things for a while. And then sooner or later, he came into the fold of Jesus, sat in a chair one night. And we all laid hands on our brother who had come out of the cold for the donuts. And the apple pie. And he was given a new birth right there in the middle of my living room floor. I wonder how many people around you or have expectations that because of who you are and how you love and, well, maybe you got cars parked in your yard. I don't know. But, but who are those people that perhaps are on the peripheral side of things that might want to enter in closer. See, enter in closer. Is that a church? I don't know. I don't care. I think it is the fellowship of the new birth. That'll survive the church. You see, church can get just as nasty as it wants to, but you can't cross out the fellowship of the new birth. Well, that is a nugget that if you pan it, uh, boy, that thing is shiny, it's gold and beautiful. And why not get on it? <clears throat> why not get with it? Because that's the best part about this Christian faith, in my opinion, has been the full expression of the Holy Spirit. And it was a long time developing in the church. You know, we didn't know what to do with the Holy Spirit to about 380. I mean, we had two, one church, had a, had, a big, had these big conferences, you know, back then or early days and all the bishops came to them. The one one was at Nicaea, but they didn't get this hammered out there. They came back to Constantinople, which is Istanbul today, the Turks got it. But they came back there and they studied what to do with the Holy Spirit. Where does it belong? Well I mean Jesus said in Matthew he says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. In the name of the Father and the Son and the what? The Holy Spirit. Well, see, 
the poor bishop were 300 years trying to put that together with God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And you know what they came up with? The Trinity. Wow. <laughs> Somebody reinventing the wheel. Talk about that. But that's what they came up with. And that's hammered out right there. That was the first place where it was put together and hammered out. Well, the Holy Spirit justifies, sanctifies. This closing text here is says it'll last forever. It'll last forever. A lot of those people in my early fellowship of the new birth are dead and gone now. I can take you to their graves and walk over them with you in different places. But they've faded like grass, turned brown, you know, and like old yard that somebody's neglected. All your hair fall out and you get old, wind up in a wheelchair. Some don't, some do. But your, your, your flesh, see, your flesh fails eventually. And the, the, the blossoms of life, they fall and, and are gone. No, no matter what, what you think you, you, you're blessed with, it'll leave you someday perhaps and, and fall away. Or maybe, I hope not, but maybe you may resist this. Maybe this morning you may say, I don't want to hear this mess. I've heard it before. Well, you see, grace is always resistible. You can't resist the grace of God. Some say you can't. That grace is irresistible, but nah. I've seen too many hard-headed people calling themselves Christian that resist the grace of God, resist the power of the Holy Spirit. Rather have the form of religion all day long than the power of it. Worship the beauty of a, of a church service and miss the whole content of the worship power in the Holy Spirit. Well, I have given you just a blush of the new birth. I tell you, if you want to study this thing hard, uh, there's a fellow named Yaroslav Pelikan wrote a book called Whose Bible Is It? That's where I got that notion this morning about the uh, the voice of God. This man's dead now. But he has an angle on the fact that the Bible is about voices and about hearing voices. Not about what's written down so much because there's so many Bibles and so many people wrote them down in different ways. What's the matter is what they heard see, and are still healing. So that's a good, that's an old book, about 2005, 2005. Uh, I had a, a prayer when I started out. And I got that prayer from a guide to prayer. That is something that I have had for a number of years. It's put out by the upper room, and it's a devotional for every day that you are alive. And it helps you with your devotions, gives you prayers, gives you, gives you a scripture, gives you some, some things to read. But there's several of these upper room books that are good. You can order them, order them from somewhere, I don't know where. <laughs> I used the Outline Bible just briefly this morning, a little bit to talk about that. I used that. And I had to pull this this thing about the Holy Spirit. I had to get up here to the Interpreter's One Volume Commentary. That's called the Interpreter's One Volume Commentary. 
the interpreter's commentary is quite long and it's a number of heavy old books. But this is the one volume. It's got the whole Bible in here and a, a decent uh, commentary on the Bible. So that, that's what I used. And, of course, I did use the Bible itself. <laughs> one of those ones never cease. But I had the, 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 the living Bible, which we read this morning. I also had a glass of tea sitting over here, which I have half consumed. And I want you to know that I'm so glad you could be here this morning to hear the very end of the first chapter of the wonderful first Peter. Now we're going to keep chipping away at this thing. We're going to keep panning gold. I'll tell you, we've got some teachers on here. You don't want to miss them, boy, not a one of them, because every one of them are sluicing that gold in a different way. But it's gold there, man. It is gold in this text. Okay? <laughs> now go find yourself a fellowship of the new birth. Okay? Well, I want to say goodbye now. So until next time, farewell. God bless each of you. Senhor, eu vejo o mundo triste, atribulado pela ação de Satanás. Clamando no escuro, correndo e olhando para trás.